Hi, I'm Dennis Sheeran. And I'm Raymond Steinmetz from the Instant Relevance Podcast. And we're part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Does the idea of stress actually stress you out? Chances are you weren't taught how to navigate stress, so you've likely been figuring it out as you go. A little meditation here, maybe some breathing exercises, but not knowing how to address the issue can add even more stress. And adults aren't the only ones that experience stress. Oftentimes, children develop adaptive coping skills to manage stress that will follow them into adulthood. These skills may or may not have a healthy long-term impact on general well-being. Whether you're an individual looking for guidance or a family seeking some support, join my friend Lynn at Connect Flow Grow as she launches her two new exciting memberships, Stressless Society and Stressless Family. Through these memberships, Lynn will help you or your family learn how stress affects your lives and healthy ways that you can combat it. To join Lynn's programs, go to my website, stephenmaletto.com, on the front page or go to stephenmaletto.com sponsors Look for the Connect Flow Grow logo and select the class you think will help you the most, either Stress Less Society or Stress Less Family. Get ready to get your stress under control. You know, I've had the good fortune to connect with several representatives from Kitcaster, a podcasting booking agency. They reached out to me on behalf of their clients who want to spread the word about their book, their story, their ideas, their businesses, and so much more. Kitcaster has been such a pleasure to work with, and I always enjoy working with their clients. Now, Kitcaster is an affiliate partner with Teaching Learning Leading K-12, which is really cool. And, and I got to ask you, have you been wanting to tell your story on podcasts? Podcasts are a great way to grow your personal and business brand. If you're an expert in your field, have a unique story to share, or an interesting point of view, it's time to explore the world of podcasting with Kitcaster. Go to kitcaster.com slash TLLK12, or go to my webpage at stephenmaletto.com slash sponsors, click on the KidCaster logo, and apply for a special offer for just the friends of Teaching Learning Leading K-12. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Dr. April Willis. You might remember from episode 376, she's the Director of Operations at the National Virtual Teaching Association, and she's back on the show. Join us as we talk about getting certified to provide more engaging and effective virtual learning through NVTA's program, the National Virtual Teaching Association. That's right. So much to learn today. Thanks for listening. And oh, by the way, it would be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and rate and review the podcast. Could you do that for me? Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hey, do you need help in becoming more effective at teaching virtual classes? Well, NVTA, the National Virtual Teaching Association, has a semester program that is college accredited and designed to help you become more successful as a virtual teacher. A few of the topics that we'll be focused on are Establishing relationships in the virtual environment, virtual instruction best practices, differentiation in the virtual classroom, and managing virtual resources, among others. NVTA is an affiliate partner with Teaching Learning Leading K-12, and there's so much there to help you be successful in the virtual classroom. Uh, so take a look. Go to my website, stephenmaletto.com, sponsors, find the NVTA logo, and click on it to take you to their website. Happy learning. You are listening to Teaching Learning Leading K-12, a podcast for educators. 
helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Dr. April Willis has spent her entire career in education, working at the campus, district, and state levels of education and holds certifications in the superintendency, principalship, and eight teaching roles. She currently serves as the Director of Operations at the National Virtual Teaching Association, or NVTA, an organization which helps teachers transition from the brick-and-mortar classroom to the virtual classroom with the goal of providing online instruction that's even more engaging and effective than in-person learning. She's a contributing author to NVTA's new book, Virtual Instruction Standards, Optimizing Teaching and Learning, from October of 2020, a comprehensive guide based on current research, proven best practices, and the expertise of virtual instructors across the country that addresses all learners and learning environments, as well as the evolving needs of students, educators, and schools. A former elementary school teacher, Dr. Willis taught kindergarten through third grade in a multi-level classroom for the University of Texas Charter School located at the Safe Charter School a school which provides educational and behavioral support services in an environment that promotes safety and healing for survivors of sexual and domestic violence and child abuse. While teaching, she also held the roles of ARD facilitator, telpass coordinator, volunteer coordinator, and campus testing coordinator. April received her bachelor's degree in applied learning and development and her master of education in curriculum and instruction from the University of Texas at Austin. Additionally, she received her master of education in education leadership and her doctor of education in educational leadership and administration from the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor. She has published two books on achieving academic and professional excellence, as well as founded a scholarship to invest in students who can prove they will make a difference in the world by leading with confidence and integrity. She serves on several boards, including the City of Hutto Ethics Review Commission, Terry Alumni Advisory Board, and is the president of the Hutto Women's Alliance. She also is an active member and volunteer with numerous nonprofit organizations, including the Junior League of Austin, the Rotary Club, and the Chamber of Commerce. In her free time, she's a certified personal trainer and athlete with Camp Gladiator and enjoys eating out with her husband, Matt. The National Virtual Teacher Association, or MVTA, is on a mission to help teachers transition from the brick-and-mortar classroom to the virtual classroom with a goal of providing online instruction that's even more engaging and effective than in-person learning. We last talked with April in episode 376 of Teaching Learning Leading K-12 and also want to mention that NVTA is an affiliate partner with Teaching Learning Leading K-12, which we're greatly appreciative of. Uh, April, thanks for joining us again and say hi to everyone. Hi, thank you so much for having me back. It's a pleasure to be able to speak with you again about all the good stuff that's happening in the virtual education world. Very cool. Well, glad that you're back. And uh, let's start here. You know, in your bio, I read that you serve on several boards, including the City of Hutto Ethics Review Commission, Terry Alumni Advisory Board, and that you're the president of the Hutto Women's Alliance. Could you tell us about the Hutto Women's Alliance? What's that all about? Oh, I would love to. So the Hutto Women's Alliance is an incredible organization that was founded within the past 10 years. It's a fairly new organization. I was not one of the original founding members, but I am about to serve my third year as president. In fact, we are voting on that this July, but I am running unopposed. So I'm expecting to be able to fill that seat one more year, which would make it my term limit. Our officers can only run for the same position three years in a row. And so I will be reaching that term limit after this coming year. But what we do is essentially we're an organization that connects women in the community, both professionally to be able to network and also those who are like-minded and wanting to give back to the community. We host several events throughout the year. And in fact, we just held our second largest fundraiser of the year called Girls' Night Out this past weekend, actually. And it's a really incredible way to get women involved. They show up and they spend a lot of money on raffle tickets, (laughs) on tickets to attend the event, on drink tickets. We just, we get them to spend their money and then all of the proceeds we continue 
continuously tell them throughout the night uh, is all going back to the scholarships for our local graduating Hutto High School seniors. So the more money they spend, the more money we provide in scholarships. And every year we've been able to increase the dollar amount and the quantity of scholarships that we've been given every single year since I've been president, which is incredible. And also since I've been president, not only have we instituted Girls Night Out as our second largest fundraising event, but our largest fundraising event has now been the Hippo Stampede 5K. So in Hutto, our mascot is the hippos. We are the Hutto hippos. And everybody is really excited about hippos. You can find them in everybody's front yards, on everybody's clothing. And uh, we definitely wear that mascot with pride. So we created the Hippo Stampede 5K, and it has been wildly successful as well. And we just wrapped up year two of that, even during a pandemic. People were on board doing a virtual 5K. Very cool. Very cool. And the, the Hippo 5K. What a what a neat mascot, by the way. So native to uh, to your home state, I guess. <laughs> not. Well, not quite. There are lots of theories on how Hutto became the Hippo town. Uh, I think the most commonly known one is where we have a railroad track that goes through town, and they said that there was a traveling circus that got stuck on our tracks, and all the hippos ran out, and nice. we had wild hippos throughout our town at one point. <laughs> That's a that's cool. That's very cool. Well, what an awesome organization. That's awesome that uh, you've been able to do that and generate the, those funds and so forth. Good stuff. And continue good luck with that. And, uh, Thank you. Yeah, that's fun work. <laughs> that's very cool. The, uh, uh, let's, let's talk about this. You know, as we're getting ready to, to, to talk about NVTA, you know, um, what do you think is one of the greatest adjustments or changes in education that, that we might see as a result of the pandemic? So I'm kind of asking you to kind of look into the crystal ball here. <laughs> Well, yeah, I feel like there it's kind of a twofold question because one, the, the greatest impact has been people now know what we're capable of doing online. It was a far reach before the pandemic to imagine kindergartners learning in an online realm. It was a far reach to imagine our special ed students, our English language learners, to be able to go through an education in which they're not in person with their teachers. We also saw how schools and how administrators were able to quickly turn that around and meet the needs of their students the best way that they possibly could. And of course, there were hiccups along the way. It was a learning process. We were learning to fly the plane as we were building it, as they say. And so there was a, there it wasn't seamless. We definitely know that. But at the same time, we rose to the challenge. Educators and administrators both did say, we're gonna do what it takes to make sure every single student receives the education that they deserve. We wanted to maintain that ideology of we are going to provide free and appropriate education for every single student across the country. And so I think when the, you had no other option, people made it work. And so now we know that it's possible. So I do think that that's a huge uh, kind of an implication moving forward is what are we going to do with this information now that we know that it's possible? But I think the second part of that, when I said it's a twofold question, is unfortunately, it's not just up to the educators anymore. Now it's up to legislators and policymakers <laughs> on are we going to fund the education now that we know we're capable of doing it virtually? Um, because what we're starting to see are different states across the country are saying, nope, we want everybody back in schools. We want everybody to show back up the way that they used to, and we're not going to support online education. If you want to provide it, you have to come up with a way to pay for it. And so I think that that's going to be one of the harder obstacles as we continue to push forward, because 
the big picture to keep in mind that I would hope legislators and as we continue to talk to people and our policymakers and our local congressmen about why we need to continue to pursue virtual education is because we know that not every student thrives in an in-person setting. There are some students who were thriving virtually. There are students who the normal school schedule doesn't work for them for some reason. Maybe they're also working. Maybe, you know, they're coming from migrant families and they have to go to work to provide for their family or babysit their younger siblings. And now we're giving them the opportunity to continue their education despite the different obstacles that they might be faced with at home or with their health issues. Or if they even, we're thinking like rural students. So there might be some school districts in which you have to drive an hour and a half to get to school every day because there just aren't other options nearby for you to serve you in the way that you best need to be served. But we can now do that for you at home with virtual education. And so I think there's a lot to think about and there's a lot of strategic planning that needs to go into some of the uh, conversations that educators and administrators are bringing to the table, being able to strategically plan what this could look like for their families and their district and how we can also start to cater to teachers more. We always put the students first because that's what we do in education. But at the same time, like take a look at some of these teachers who might want to come back to the teaching field, but maybe they also want to raise a family. Maybe they also want to travel a lot. Maybe they're also homeschooling. So full-time teaching isn't an option for them, but perhaps part-time virtual teaching is. So now this teacher shortage we're dealing with, we can address the teacher shortage by offering virtual education as a viable option for a lot of our families now. That's ec- that's excellent. Yeah, you know, it's, it is interesting. Like you said, now after uh, we've learned how to do it, or at least uh, be introduced to it and being shown that we could make it work. (laughs) Now we have an interesting aspect happening where uh, um, whether it will be supported or not um, Mm -hmm. from the, from the States, especially uh, most States that's, that's pretty much where that fight's happening, I think. And uh, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) What an interesting battle. I don't know if it's really a battle yet, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. uh quite possibly will be. Uh, um, thanks for looking at that crystal ball. It's, it's definitely something that uh, is already heard lots of the, the grumblings and so forth there in the, uh, you know, I'm in Georgia and Georgia went through its uh, um, legislation session just, uh, you know, back a bunch of weeks ago. And uh, oh, that definitely topic was there loud and clear. So um, th- thanks for doing that. Let's, let's, now, let's shift into NVTA, which is what we're talking about today. Um, could you remind everyone what the National Virtual Teacher Association's purpose is? Sure. So our purpose is to ensure high quality virtual instruction. In fact, we want it to be so good. We want it to be as good as or better as in-person instruction. That's kind of what we're aiming to do here. And we go about doing that uh, several different ways. One, we want to provide as many free resources as possible for anybody who's interested in improving their virtual instruction capacity. And so one of the ways we do that is through our virtual education rubrics. They're called the principles of virtual teaching. I think we'll spend some time on those a little bit later. We also offer a free professional development course. This is an online course that can take anywhere from one to three hours. It's really just an intro course um, and it's very high level. It's really just for those interested and kind of learning a little bit more and seeing if it's for them. Uh, Do I want to continue to pursue this idea of becoming an expert in virtual instruction? Because it's not for everybody. And we do want to make sure if it is for you, then we've got resources. And if it's not, then don't spend a lot of time on it. Spend one to three hours on this course and figure that out. So we do offer that free course as well. 
Um, we've also published a book, as you had mentioned earlier, called The Virtual Instruction Standards, Optimizing Teaching and Learning. That book's available for only, I think it's $9.95 on Amazon. It's available both as a paperback or a digital ebook. And that book is basically the narrative of all of the rubrics that we have published. So instead of reading 22 rubrics that are very conceptual, very theoretical in nature, the book makes it more of a narrative. So you can see how it goes from theory to practice. And so that's the benefit of the book. And then of course we have our certification course and the certification course uh, can take around three months. And I think we'll spend some time on that as well. But basically what we're doing is trying to give people the tools, the resources, the instruction, the best practices that they need so that they can become the highly qualified certified teacher that every student deserves across this country. And by doing so, we're hoping we're creating common standards and alignment and expectations for teachers across the country. So it is not just because you go to this one district that happened to provide really great PD, only your students are gonna benefit from that. We want this to be something that all students across the country can benefit because all the teachers involved in virtual instruction are going through our courses and using our resources. Excellent, excellent. The, you know, one of the, the things that uh, we, you mentioned in there that we're gonna talk about now is uh, there's this, uh, you, you brought together people to, to work on creating these standards. And uh, what I'd like to do here is just, just in, let's, let's look at that. You know, the NVTA worked with a group of veteran virtual instructors across the country to develop a set of common standards uh, for virtual instruction that are nationally recognized. And that was part of that key. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the desire to create the common standards? I mean, what that kind of drive there? Absolutely. So basically, we believe that when a virtual teacher is trained properly, they can create this world class learning environment that engages students on a medium that they already live in every day. And so we thought it's time to start focusing on how to become an effective virtual teacher by building this community of educators that want to continue to work together as a group to create these standards and share quality educational options. And we know that how important that is, because kind of what I was alluding to earlier is standards can vary depending on the district that you're in. And even depending on the campus within that district, those standards can look differently. So then imagine a student who grew up in one district and then their family has to move and they go to a different district, a different state across the country and how that affects their education. Because what could have been, yeah, that flies in district A doesn't necessarily fly in district B or the quality of support that they were receiving in a virtual environment in terms of access to their teacher before and after school hours access to their assignments, access to recorded lectures, uh, being able to collaborate with their peers. These are all things that can happen in a virtual environment, but if teachers aren't deliberately instructed on how to do that and how to implement it and how to make the most of it, not just doing it to check the box, but actually incorporating it as part of the instructional uh, model that they're using, then they won't do that and the students aren't going to benefit from it. So what we want to do is make sure that all of these pieces that are so vital to a high quality virtual environment are going to be something that all of the teachers who go through our program live and breathe it. They are completely familiar with it. They know how to in integrate it into what they're already doing. And none of it is a surprise and none of it is an afterthought. None of it is a check the box thing, but it is living and breathing this model so that students are getting the most high quality virtual instruction that they can receive. Oh, it's, it's, it's awesome because you know, in the, in the beginning, it's kind of funny. It, it, like in many things, there were people who they kind of 
we're drawn naturally to the to the video to the virtual um, instruction, but most people there was kind of this like I'm talking to a box, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the kids are on the other side of it, and I'm not quite sure how to go about doing this, and yeah. so I'm um, getting more training and understanding how you can become more effective and engaging. Definitely is a positive because that's sure. you know what an interesting. I mean, having been a a, a teacher myself for a long time, you know, it, in the history classroom, I mean, one of the, the biggest things is, is that, you know, you kind of, you kind of work, work your audience kind of like a, <laughs> a stand-up comedian, or you, you work the crowd and you do the different things and you read the signals and there's all kinds of stuff going on, nuances going on there as you're doing the activities in the classroom. And, and uh, there's, there's something quite a bit different about, even though the same things can eventually happen about being on the other side of a bunch of you know, electrons or whatever that's out there. And uh, yeah, it, it's out. so true because in that particular situation, the biggest variable that you can no longer control is the external environment of every single student. Because when they're in your classroom, you have a controlled environment. You know what they're looking at, you know what's coming in, you know what noises they're hearing. But when you're doing this virtually, you could have 25 kiddos, one with a crying brother in the background, one with a barking dog, one with a ringing doorbell, one with a dying battery. And like all of these things become distractors and you do have to figure out how am I going to capture their attention despite everything that's going on in the background that I don't have control over anymore. But I do feel like, and we talk about it in the course and in the readings and in the rubrics, there's so much of that that always goes back to the same things that make a high quality teacher in an in-person classroom, I think most people would agree, Would it's always starts with relationship and then engagement. If you have a relationship with your students and they trust you and they like you and they want to please you and they want to do the things to make sure that, yes, I love this class. I love this teacher. I'm excited to go to this class every day. Those are the teachers that tend to have the greatest effect on their students. They're the ones that have the highest performance scores. They're the ones that show the greatest levels of growth from beginning of year to end of year. And it's because they've built those relationships with students. Those same teachers oftentimes also know how to engage those students because that engagement is one of the components that help them build that relationship. So if they know how to be engaging because they know how to use a variety of teaching modalities, they know how to keep students engaged because they're doing something entertaining or something that connects to the real world, or they're playing games, they're making it to where the students want to continue to pursue their education in that classroom. Those are the ones that you're going to see the best achievements in. And the same goes for the virtual environment. And you can still do all of those things in a virtual environment environment. And in fact, you almost have the opportunity to do more because everybody's already online before when you're in person, it could be kind of a task. Do I have enough devices? Does everybody know how to log in? Did so-and-so forget their password? Well, now you're already logged in. Everybody's got a device in front of them and you have access to tools that otherwise might've been seen as, oh, that's a little too much work. Maybe we'll do that on a Friday. Maybe that'll be a fun day thing. Uh, But now you can do it every day. So that's kind of exciting. And it does make the virtual environment environment just a little bit more fun for students and teachers it really is cool because it does make it a little more exciting and such because you know and one of the things you know it never fails is that uh, i've i've actually been observing classes when i've seen this one happen especially with younger kids all of a sudden you hear this deafening sound which is only deafening because you know what it is which is the sound of a laptop or chromebook falling on the ground (laughs) and you're like no (laughs) um (laughs) 
or the or the other fun one, which is uh, there's always one that doesn't want to come on. It's like yes, <laughs> hello, and uh, <laughs> going this side of using a hammer on it. I'm not sure what to do other than what I've tried. So <laughs> funny stuff. The uh, you know what? By the way, just as a note, uh, the other distraction that uh, is totally missing from this. So if we could do smell a vision, would be the uh, the baking of the lunch. If you never taught during lunchtime, when you have just as they're preparing, actually it's more when they're preparing lunch when it starts wafting through <laughs> the building, and that's a huge distraction because kids start going. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And I'm sure at home, it's probably, we're seeing a lot more sandwiches come through for lunch. <laughs> yes, that's funny. Everybody's busy. <laughs> Very much so. So let's let's talk about, we've mentioned them. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the principles of virtual teaching. It, it's a set of 22 rubrics used to evaluate each strand of the virtual instruction. Could you share a little bit? Boone Titanium Rings, found on the web at boonrings.com, is an affiliate partner of Teaching Learning Leading K-12. And I'm also a customer. I have this really cool ring that's got these carved pistons and, and stars in it. I love it. They make rings of titanium that are carved, laser cut, and engraved, as well as they have inlays of many types of materials like meteorite, acrylic, wood, carbon fiber, and so many other types. They also have special collections that are incredible designs. One of the top sellers are the Gamer Rings, the Stealth Series, and the Black Zirconium. As a note, they also make earrings, pendants, cufflinks, and for you musicians, they make cool trumpet mouthpieces. Love it. Go to boonrings.com and at checkout, use my code, capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, number 12, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. So go check them out. I love my ring, and I know that you will love yours. Sure. So basically, we do have five domains, um, and those domains, basically, I'll just give you a high-level overview. We've got home and instructional space and technology. Domain two is class preparation. Domain three is content knowledge and virtual instruction. Then we've got domain four is the virtual learning environment and affect. And then domain five is professional practices and responsibilities. And so within each one of those domains, we do have strands within each one. And then we go into every strand has its own rubric. That rubric goes from unsatisfactory to accomplished. So it lets you know, and there are four different um, ratings. You can get unsatisfactory. Uh, you can get basic, proficient, or accomplished. Of course, we want everybody to be uh, accomplished. That means that you are rating the highest. We also know that to go through and receive and evaluate yourself and get an evaluation from an administrator for 22 rubrics is asking a lot. So what we do is the intent behind this is not so that you become overwhelmed and you go, oh my gosh, I have 22 areas that I have to become an expert in and how long, are you serious? Instead, a lot of these you might already be proficient or accomplished in. So we would encourage you to look at what you're already doing well and be like, you know what? I actually have that one down. I've been told I'm good at that. I know I'm good at that. And then you don't have to worry about that one as much, but go to the ones that you feel like you are having a little bit more of a struggle with, or maybe you've been told by an administrator, I really want you to work on your lesson delivery. I really want you to work on student engagement, student disruption, student debriefing, uh, work on collaboration with your own peers, because we can start to feel like when we're working virtually that we're working in isolation, but there are still, it's just as important to be a, become a part of that professional learning community in a virtual environment, because 
that's how you are becoming better at your craft when you're able to share what works for you and what you can learn from your peers. So we don't want to lose that aspect when we're in the virtual environment. And that's one of the rubrics all by itself is how do I get along with my coworkers, my colleagues, my aides and assistants, because we still have those in our virtual classrooms. And so uh, that, that's a rubric all on its own. And so what the goal is with these 22 rubrics is maybe identify three to five of them that you know is an area that you could continue to work on read what we have uh, kind of shared with you as we give critical criteria. We also give examples of what this looks like. And so start to identify some goals for yourself around each one of those. Then if you also purchase the book, every single one of these has examples. Like I said, they're real world examples of meet Miss Smith, seventh grade biology teacher. Her uh, instructional coach came in and saw her doing X, Y, and Z. And because of that, the students did these things. And that's what makes a proficient teacher. So it will give you that narrative example of what to look for. And so that's why those, um, that's kind of how you would use the 22 rubrics. And hopefully as you get better on a couple at a time, you can go back and add more and maybe reevaluate yourself and see, are you still as strong in the things that you were once strong in, or did you start to weaken in those? And uh, just continue to use it as a way to gauge the effectiveness of your virtual instruction. Very cool. Very cool. They had, you know, and, and, and that along with the, like, and, and you referred to it just a second ago, if they, if they get the virtual instruction standards, optimizing teaching and learning, the book that was uh, published in October 20, what, uh, you know, what, what else would you suggest there that uh, would be very important for them to glean from, uh, from the book, uh, Virtual Instruction Standards. Yeah, so the book, uh, there is not only does it give you the narratives um, for almost every single one of the rubrics, where it says, this is what the rubric tells you to do. This is what we will tell you it looks like in practice. Here's an example that you can read. We also have note pages at the end of every one of those chapters. And so this does turn it into more of an interactive book for you. It's not just to sit and get, you don't want to go cover to cover without stopping. This is something that maybe you do just flip to chapter three and you're like, this is the chapter that I really need to become an expert in. Everything in here resonates with me. Everything in here is something that I know if I could improve, for example, 3B, then I know I would see uh, an increase in performance from my students. So I want to really learn how to do this. And that's what they would use this book for is really just kind of taking a deep dive into each one of the rubrics as opposed to the high level grid version that you see on the free downloadable rubrics. Excellent. Excellent. So, so let's get into the program itself. How long does it take for a, a teacher to complete the NVTA program? Sure. So the program on average takes around three months for teachers to complete. And we did make this for teachers who we know are working professionals. They're raising their own families. They might be going to graduate school. All of these things were taken into consideration when we built the course. But at the same time, we did not go easy on it. There is a level of rigor in this course. That means that we want high quality instruction. We do not want somebody to just be like, hey, I wrote a check. Will you make me certified? It's a lot more than that. And so we do have a nine month maximum to complete the course. So you have up to nine months to complete it. Most people will finish in three months. 
But if you want to sit down and just crank it all out in a month and a half, go for it. It's a lot of work, but it's not impossible. For example, during the summer, this would be the perfect time for somebody to do it. If they do have the summer off, they could sit down and they could just go through this course without the interruptions that come with the school year. Now, some of the benefits of it, like I said, maybe they're also going to graduate school. Well, this course is accredited through Adams State University and is eligible for three graduate hours. And so if you you complete the course not only do you get certification but you can apply it towards graduate school for three graduate hours we also have been approved by over a dozen states across the country for 50 professional development hours and so there are a number of states that approve continuing education or professional development at the state level unfortunately not all the states in the country do though in fact the majority of them you have to approve professional development and continuing education at the district district level. But for the ones that do it at the state level, we've already been approved. And like I said, it's worth 50 continuing education credits or PD credits. So for anybody who already has their teaching uh, certifications, you know, you oftentimes every three years or every five years, you have to prove that you've maintained those PD or continuing ed credits. This goes towards that. Um, so those are just a few of the reasons why we do feel like this would be a benefit for those to continue to pursue it, not just for the benefit of their students anymore, but also for the professional development and growth of the teachers themselves. Very cool. They, and it's, you know, that's the continuing learning and doing the different activities and you know, the, the, the professional growth simply alone is something that, uh, you know, as an educator, we have to constantly be growing. And with this type of change, and I mean, I, it only opens up possibilities, I would think, for your, for you as a teacher that you have this ability to do these things, to be able to demonstrate it, I guess. Oh, for sure. Let me tell you about that demonstration piece too. So this course is not just uh, answer some questions at the end of every section, pass the test and move on. There isn't a cumulative exam at the end either. Instead, throughout the entire course, there are readings, discussion boards, and then activities. Every single one of those activities are something they could turn around and apply the very next day to their classroom. And at the very end, they submit an e-portfolio, and that is a collection or a demonstration of all of the work they did throughout the course, and that's what they get evaluated on. And they do have to receive 16 out of 20 points on a rubric. And if they do, that's when you earn certification. So you are evaluated on an e-portfolio. And we do tell people in the course, we encourage you to use this e-portfolio with your current administration when maybe bargaining for a raise or advocating for a promotion. Or if you're unemployed and you're thinking about re-entering the workforce, take this into your job interview. It's absolutely a tool that will help make you shine. You will stand out from everybody else because you're saying, not only am I telling you I'm good at this, I can show you I'm good at this. And you'll be able to show them all of the hard work you've done in this course. And so it's something that's immediately applicable. It's not busy work and it's not just an exam because we know that one exam is not a good indicator of what people know and what they can do. And so that's why we opted for this route of more of almost a project-based learning. That's excellent. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, with it, well, it just lends itself to, to being able to be project-based sim simply because you're <laughs> you're learning how to do something, and so you you want it to be um, you know, pr project-based learning because it's uh, <laughs> it 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 uh, means that you're doing and not just uh, memorizing and regurgitating. Okay. So, <laughs> right, it's good stuff. The uh, you, you know one of the things that uh, um, you know we talked a little bit about are the topics that are covered and such, and I was just wondering. Um, 
is there one that people have, you know, feedback people have said they like the most or, or want uh, the most? Yeah. So I can tell you, I don't know if I would say it's the one people like the most, but the one around this is the stuff that I'm coming here for. And it's always around student engagement and student disruptions. Those tend to be the ones that just are in highest demand right now, because I feel like a lot of these other things, for example, we have one on how to create high quality green screen backgrounds that you can actually utilize for instruction, not just you in front of the, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge, not just you floating in outer space, because those were cool and they were fun for five seconds. Right. But then they also become distracting and they're not making good use of your educational quality screen time with your students, which is so valuable. So instead, how do we use what's behind us to continue the educational experience, but in a way that's not boring? And so we go about here are some things that you guys can use. Here are the standards you should apply. And we give them instruction around that. As cool as that is, they might have already received some uh, kind of direction from their own school district's PD on how to do that. For example, many school districts say you got to have our logo up there. You have to have your objectives up there for the day. So they might have already heard some of that stuff. But the things around student engagement and student disruptions are the things that everybody was figuring out as they went. There wasn't really a way to prepare teachers for that until they were in that and they figured out, okay, this is what tends to be working for me. And so they're still having the opportunity to build and share, to build out those professional learning communities and share what is working with them, not only in their district, but in the course itself. Our discussion boards, I would say, are incredibly incredibly active. I'm watching the relationships build between teachers in different states who have never met each other, sharing, these are my favorite tools. I just had this experience. Can anybody relate? And they are building on each other's shared experiences, which is so great to watch. But uh, I would say that that format is probably in highest demand because they don't just want to hear from talking heads. They don't just want to watch videos of, you know, here's an instructional video because this might work for your kids because we like to think that that would work in a perfect world, but does it really? And so when we get to hear from other people on what's working and the experiences they're having, I think that's when it's most valuable. And so specifically on the engagement and student disruptions, those are some of the shared experiences in the course that people are appreciating. They are also addressed in the rubrics. They're also addressed in the book. That's very cool that uh, you have them talking to each other. I, I thought that was just <laughs> funny because it's, uh, you know, it, when you're so right. I mean, in the, when they start talking and learning from each other about how they're doing things, that's uh, just reinforces what's going on. And uh, um, but uh, it lends itself to quite a few different scenarios. But uh, it's just fascinating to hear about the what is most popular with the teachers, what is uh, or something that they're looking for. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's I can see those being some of the questions that they ask. Um, like, OK, I get the video, but what about uh, just trying to get deal with behavior and such. So it's been so fun to watch because, you know, one of the requirements of the course is you have to respond to every discussion board and you have to reply to at least one other person's response. And, you know, we just set those as like bare minimum. And we're very clear about you can't just say I agree or <laughs> me too or good idea, but you actually have to 
go into some level of detail. We have not had to really get onto anybody about that. Every single person, they are having full-blown conversations going back and forth. Sometimes the replies to somebody else's response is like four paragraphs long and the original was only like four sentences. And so it's been fun to watch what that kind of turns into and how they're sharing so much. There's one particular discussion board where it says share a number of resources. I forget what the exact number is that is has online resources that is specific to your grade and your content area. Because again, this course is not content specific, not grade specific. It's applicable to everybody. And we give you the opportunity to apply it to whatever you teach. And so this one discussion board asks for that. The wealth of knowledge that has been shared on that one discussion board is awe-inspiring. You'll be like, I had no idea all of these resources existed. And then you'll see the ones that people comment and say, I love that you said this. I've also been using it. I've had this experience. Have you used this feature? Somebody else, I've never heard of that before. Tell me where can I find it? How would I use it? And they're teaching each other how to use them. And every person before they even get into that conversation has listed somewhere around 10 free resources available to other teachers. So that in itself has just been like such a phenomenal bank of knowledge that they've shared with each other. They can put in their little toolbox and use it anytime they need, and they can always go back to that and reference it. That's so cool. What an awesome program. And, you know, uh, April, we're getting close to finishing up here. Uh, Would you let everyone know where they could connect and uh, learn more? Sure. Uh, Virtualteacherassociation.org. Teacher is singular. There's no S at the end of that. And if you go to that website, we have at the very top uh, a programs menu button. And so that's where you can learn more about the free certification, the paid certification course. Um, You can also learn about we have a training of trainers. And then if you go to the resources, that's where you can download those free rubrics. No cost, no credit card. We're not trying to get anything from you. You download those free rubrics. You'll also see the link to purchase the book if you're interested. We also are on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So if you'd like to connect with us on any of those channels, we do try to post informational articles, infographics, um, any free resources around news and updates that we can to our social media channels. So we do encourage you to follow us on there as well. Um, And then of course, there's a contact button on that page. Anytime you click those contact buttons, they actually come directly to me. So I'm happy to answer all of your questions or give you any information. Um, You can definitely email me directly, but I think the easiest way, because I have a long email, (laughs) is just to hit contact us on that website. Very cool. And I'll have that all in the show notes. uh, So it's easy to find there as well. Um, Good stuff. You know, and I got one more question for you, and it goes like this. If you had a chance to speak at a conference of teachers and administrators getting ready for the first day of school for the 21-22 school year, which is after this last year, this is a huge deal. Um, And uh, what is something that you would want them to remember from your talk? That's a great question. And I actually give a lot of these talks. Um, I've got another one coming up soon. And so typically the content is... um, this is similar to what we've talked about today, but I think something specific to that upcoming school year that I would want to share with them is extend grace, but don't lower expectations. I don't ever want us to feel like we have to lower the bar for our students because wherever that bar is, that's what they will accomplish. And if you lower the bar because we're making excuses for them, because we said, well, you know, last year was really hard for them. We want to give them the 
when you do that, you are hurting the child. You are not helping them. And I feel like it's really important that we maintain high expectations. We have understanding, we have empathy, but at the same time, we know what our students are capable of accomplishing. Um, and the idea of extending grace, extending grace means we know what we all went through. We know that there were some challenges. We know there were some hiccups. We know that not everybody had internet service. Not everybody had a device per student. Maybe they were sharing for siblings or everybody was going through something. So be aware, be cognizant, extend some grace around that, but let them know, hey, I'm still here to work with you because at the end of this year, you're going to be exactly where you need to be. You're not going to continue to fall behind year after year after year because of what we all went through last school year. Um, so I think that's the most important piece um, because this is really going to impact the, their future, students' futures for the rest of their life if we can't pick things up very quickly. We know there was learning lost. We know that they're coming with larger gaps than they've ever had before. We know that the students who had already come to us with gaps, they've just increased. So what are we going to do to close those gaps really quickly? What are we going to do to remedy summer slide and COVID slide and make sure that we get them right back on track because we owe it to them. They deserve that. What an awesome answer. They, you know, I love that. Uh, April, it was awesome talking with you again. NVTA has created an awesome program to help teachers develop their skills at virtual teaching. Uh, thanks so much for sharing and uh, wishing you the best in all you do. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Hey, Steve here, and my podcast, Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, is hosted on Podbean. If you use my affiliate link when you sign up for podcast hosting, you will get one month free. I've been on Podbean for the whole existence of my podcast since November of 2013. In that time frame, I've had nonstop service. I've had easy access to assistance when I needed help. I've been able to upload unlimited pictures and podcast episodes. The dashboard is easy to use, and my Podbean community has grown tremendously. Looking at starting a podcast? Well. Use my affiliate link to get one month free of hosting. Go to my website at stephenmaletto.com slash sponsors and click on the Podbean hosting link to see what plans are offered and choose the one that you like the best. You'll be glad you did. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.